If you're able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me here this evening to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel 6, we'll begin at verse 1 and read to the end of the chapter. Verse 23, hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bel Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nachon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, 
and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord, who chose me above your father and above all his house, to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we were in first, or Second Samuel 5, and we saw David anointed over the king over Israel. We saw God establishing David's house and David establishing Jerusalem as the capital. And then we saw David defeating the Philistines, not once, but, but twice, and taking away their, their so-called idols. And he struck down the Philistines from Gabbath to Gezer. And so now that David is king over all of Israel, north and south, it is time for him, or at least in his mind, it is time for him to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Now, from our study in 1 Samuel, we know that the Ark of Jehovah was in the land of the Philistines seven months. We know of that in 1 Samuel 6 and 7. And we, we saw that the tumors broke out on the Philistines as they had captured the Ark of God. And they, they devised a plan and, to try and appease God. And they put the Ark of the Lord on a cart. And the box with golden mice and images of their, their tumors. The men of Kiriath Jerem came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab. And the son of Abinadab, Eleazar, was consecrated and given charge over the ark of God. And so the ark of God lodged there for some 20 years. And so now David believes it is time to bring the ark out of captivity. To bring it to Jerusalem. Again, the ark of God, the ark of Jehovah symbolized God's presence with his people. We know on that ark was the mercy seat. Symbolizing forgiveness and mercy by God. And so David now wants to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and we see what transpired the first time he attempted it, but also the second time. And so there are two things we, we see tonight in our text. The first is the ark and God's anger. In verses 1 through 4, we find David gathering all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, to go and to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. 
The ark had been neglected by Israel for many years. But now is the time. God is still the God of Israel and God is is graciously present with them even though the ark has not been in their midst. And so David goes and he retrieves to retrieve the ark from Bel Judah to bring up the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And so they go and they get the ark from the house of Abinadab and two men, the sons of Abinadab, Uzzah and Ahio, they are the ones that were to drive the cart and to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. And then tragedy struck. There is David and all the house of Israel that are celebrating before the Lord. They have their musical instruments out. They are playing those, those instruments. And then all of a sudden, the cart upon which the ark is, it stumbles. The oxen stumble. And Uzzah did what any of us probably would have done. He reached out his hand to steady the ark of the Lord, to steady the ark of, of Jehovah. After all, why would he want it to fall? And what happened to him? God killed him. As our text tells us, God struck him down there because of his error. And what was their error? What was their sin? Well, God gave specific instructions earlier in the Old Testament uh, concerning how the ark was to be carried. It was not to be carried in a cart. It was to be carried by the priests who would run, for not, no better term, sticks through and carry it upon their shoulders. The Kohathites, they were the ones in charge of, of moving the ark. We, we learned of this in Numbers 7, verses 8 and 9. We read, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Koath he gave none, because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. And so they were not obeying God. They were not carrying the ark in the way that God had commanded. Now to us, the, the sin of Uzzah, the transgression of Uzzah seems very small. Uzzah was a Levite, but he wasn't a priest. In Numbers 4.15, we also learn that the Kohathites were to carry the ark by poles, and they were not to touch any of the holy things, lest they die. And so here the ark is falling and Uzzah reaches out his hand and he touches a holy thing of God and he dies on the spot. Now as the sin of Uzzah seems small to us, we probably think the judgment of God is too severe. But again, God had given his commandment. God had told them how to carry the ark. And so there Uzzah sinned. There 
Uzzah died as he touched the holy thing of God and not even the mercy seat could save him. God saw the presumption and irreverence of Uzzah's heart. Now, how did David react? A moment before this, he was rejoicing. They all were rejoicing. Verse 8, David was angry because the Lord had broken... uh, because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day, which means the breaking out against Uzzah. Now, the, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I think it's a safe assumption that David was probably angry with God. After all, in his mind, he was doing what he thought was right to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem, the capital that has been set up and he has a tent waiting for that ark. So it would be back in the midst of God's people where the capital of God's people was. But not only was David angry, he was afraid. Verse 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Now, no doubt we would have been afraid as well when we saw that. David had every right to be afraid. He saw the judgment of God immediately fall upon one of his countrymen, immediately fall upon Uzzah because of his sin. And so David was not at this moment willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, into Jerusalem, but he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom is described here as a Gittite, but he's also a Levite. So David leaves the ark with him and his household. We read in verse 11 that the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. And so we see the ark, we see the anger of God against Uzzah who had transgressed the the commandments of God concerning the holy things. Then the second part of our text deals with David bringing that ark to Jerusalem. In verse 12, we read, It was told King David, The Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so this gave David a, a new sense of courage to go and and to this time, do things the right way. And so as David hears that Obed-Edom has been blessed, it's evidence to David that God was reconciled to them. That his anger was turned away. This man was blessed. His family was blessed as they cared for the ark of God. And so now this time, David goes up and he brings the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And I believe it's safe to say, because no one else dies, that they followed God's directions this time. The Kohathites slid the poles in and carried it upon their shoulders. As as they began that uh, progression to Jerusalem, they went six steps and, and there they sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal And David is dancing before the Lord in in, in joy with all of his might. And he's wearing a a linen ephod. 
Now, it sounds like that's all he's wearing. It may well have been all David was wearing, but he's dancing to the Lord. David and all the house of Israel, they bring up the ark of the Lord. They are shouting. They are playing the horn. And so they bring it to the tent that David had and they placed it there. Now, as soon as it was lodged, what happened? Well, verse 18 tells us David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. He offered these to, to the Lord as, as thanksgiving and to deal with the sin of, of God's people and supplication to God for the continuance of his favor. And so then David blessed the people. He, he was very generous to them. He gave each man and woman a cake of bread, a portion of, of meat, a cake of raisins, and all the people departed each to his house. And David blessed them in the name of the Lord. And so David went to his own house. And well, David returned to his house to do what? To bless his family. To bless his family. To offer up his own family's thanksgiving for this national mercy, because it was a, a national mercy that the ark could be safely brought to Jerusalem and established there in the city of David. But as he returns, there is Michael. Michael is the daughter of Saul, the wife that David had. Remember that Saul took from David and gave her to another man. And a few chapters back, we we heard that as David was making a deal with, with Abner concerning becoming king over all of Israel, that he requested one thing, commanded really one thing, that Michael be brought back to him. And Abner saw to it that it happened. And then Abner was later murdered. But now here is Michael and she is not pleased with her husband because he is not acting as a king should act. She said this, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She thought it was unbecoming of the king to act in this way. And so David answers to her and he says, it was before the Lord. I was dancing in joy. I was dancing before the Lord my God. And, and I, I, I was dancing because of what he had done. Because he had brought the ark safely to us. No doubt he, he was remembering as well Uzzah and what happened to him. And now it is there and it is safe. And so he is dancing. He is celebrating. He is rejoicing with Israel because of God's mercy to them in bringing the ark. And then he reminds her of something. It was the Lord who chose David over her father. It was the Lord that chose David above all the house of Saul. And we know that from, a, from, from a, a chapter 4 that Ishbosheth was murdered and 
Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. Again, he's lame and he cannot serve as king. And so David is the man of God's own choosing. David was the one that God chose above Saul in his house. And David was the one that God appointed to be prince over Israel. Over the people of the Lord. And David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. And he goes a step further and he says, and I will make myself even more contemptible. I will do it again in celebration to my God and I will be abased in your eyes. And those female servants that you mentioned, they will be the ones that I will be held in honor by. And then in verse 23 we read, And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Seems like Michael was judged by the Lord for her displeasure towards the king, towards the one that God Himself chose to be king over His people. And so she is judged and she had no child to the day of her death. And so what do we see here tonight? How can we make application? Well, the first thing we see we have seen throughout the Old Testament. We will see it again and again and again. It is this. We see the danger of approaching God and the holy things in a way that He has not commanded. Now, where do we get this from? Where do we get this this, this principle of worship. Well, turn back with me to, to Exodus chapter 20. As God had delivered Israel from their bondage to Egypt, He now gives them His ten words or His ten laws. And in the second commandment, He tells them how they are to worship, beginning at verse 4, verse 3, he tells them, you're, you're not to have any other gods before me. You're not to worship any other gods. And then beginning in verse 4, he says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now somebody argue, well he's just saying not to worship him by images. Yes he is. But he's also saying something else. Not to worship him in a way that he has not prescribed. And so God was very detailed in how Israel of old was to worship. How they were to deal with the holy thing. Now again, to us and many in the church, it may seem like us a sin was not that great of a sin. After all, God, He was just trying to save your ark. But to God, it was a great sin. Because Uzzah was not obedient. He did not worship God in the way that God had commanded. And we have that threat here in the second commandment as well. That if we do not worship God in the way that He has commanded us, 
then, then he will visit that sin on the fathers of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Think of that. If we as a church bring in ways of worshiping God that we do not find in the Bible, then our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, they're going to pay the price. And so we must be very careful in how we worship God. But in the second commandment, there's also a promise, isn't there? To those who worship God the way that God has, has commanded, God does what? He shows the love, steadfast love to thousands or to the thousandth generation. Think of that. To a thousand generations. If we worship God rightly, a thousand generations will be blessed. Why? Because it means we love God and we keep His commandments. And so we are to worship God in the way that He commands us, but also uh, in a similar way, it is offensive to God if we do not come prepared to worship Him. And if we come to the table in an unworthy manner, this week you have an opportunity to prepare your heart to come next Sunday evening. What should that look like? Well, it should be you spending time in prayer, repenting of sin, asking God to take sins from you and, and, and helping you by way of, of His Holy Spirit and that, so that you come to the table in faith. Because what will happen if we don't? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we had judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so we're not to treat God lightly. We're not to treat worship lightly. We're not to treat the holy things of God in worship lightly. And if we do, there's a danger as we gather together. Second, we have seen tonight that David praised the Lord in a day of great joy as he brought the ark to Jerusalem. And we are called to praise the Lord every Lord's Day corporately with great joy every week. Now, we do not come with dancing tonight. We do not find dancing as an element of worship in the New Testament. But we do come with praise. And where is that praise uh, most, most heard? In our, in our singing. Again, that's why we are called to sing. Even if we don't know the tune, we sing and we praise God. Because this is, is the day of great joy. It's a day of rest. It's a day of worship. It is a day that we come together as the church. And, and we don't do this any other time during the week to come together and corporately worship our God. Now sometimes we think, well, because of the commandment to keep the Sabbath, that's a day of drudgery. It's a day, not of joy, but of making sure we're minute in our Sabbath observance. No, it's a day of joy. It's a day we come together and we, we come together with brothers and sisters in, in Christ. It's a day that, 
God reminds us of what He's done for us in mercy. Just as He was merciful to David and Israel by, by bringing the ark into Jerusalem, He has been merciful to us by saving us and redeeming us. And we come especially on this day remembering that our Lord is no longer in the tomb. And so this is a day of great joy. This is a day where we come and praise God. In worship. Third, the ark of God was a symbol of God's presence with His people. Now you might think, well, I want that. I want a symbol of God's presence. But we have a better symbol. And we have that which is better than the ark of God. It is the very presence of God in each one of us by way of His Holy Spirit. If we know Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance that one day we will enter into the land, not the physical land of Israel, but, but the new heavens and the new earth. And, and always be reminded the, the promise of land to Israel always pointed them to the future. To that day when Christ would come and bring all of His people together in the new heavens and the new earth where we will worship God forever and praise Him forever. And guess what? You'll be singing in heaven. Now you might say you'll have a perfect voice and you will. But if you don't like singing here, you might not like it there. But we'll praise God. We'll praise the Lord Jesus and, and forever and eternity. And, and we know this because we have the Spirit. We have the very presence of God in us tonight as His people. And then fourth and finally, to have the Holy Spirit means that we have believed in Jesus. We have trusted in Him alone for our salvation. You know, on the ark was the mercy seat that reminded Israel that this God who was holy, holy, holy that we just sung a little bit ago, and we'll sing of His holiness again in a moment, that this holy, Holy, holy God is also merciful and forgives by way of the shedding of blood. Now again, we don't shed the blood of animals, bulls and goats, because it did not accomplish the salvation that Jesus did, but it pointed them to the salvation and the redemption that would be accomplished by Christ. And so if you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, then you know that you have been saved by the grace of God. You have trusted in Jesus and Him alone for your salvation as you have turned from your sins. And one day when Christ comes, you, you will be welcomed into your eternal home by the Lord Himself. We saw tonight the judgment of Uzzah, and he deserved it. He deserved that judgment, but so does every one of us here tonight. We deserve to be struck dead because of our sin. But the only reason we are not is because of Christ. He suffered for us. He suffered in our place. If, 
We have trusted Him and believed in Him. And so, again, if you have not done that, then do that tonight. See your sin. See what you deserve. And that is death. That is the judgment of God to fall upon you here this evening and cry out unto the Lord for salvation and then come as God grants that to you in His mercy and grace and celebrate the blessing of God and praise Him And celebrate before the Lord your God who has redeemed you. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. And we do see tonight Your holiness. That You do not deal with sin lightly. Father, I pray for any who are here tonight and they are far from you that you would bring them near by way of your Son and Spirit. That you would save them. That you would redeem them. At this very moment they would see that you, O oh God, you are Lord and you are King. And O oh God, may we always come on the Lord's Day to worship you and praise you by singing, by rejoicing in what you have done for us. In saving us. In redeeming us by the blood of the Lamb. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.